Today on Locked On Mariners, the host wishes he would have begun recording before 1.15 in the morning. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey Martin, and welcome to those of you out there in podcast land. I'm D.C. Lundberg, and I'm tired. (laughs) And we have a very different sort of loss to talk about. Today on Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or TLOPN. Please remember to download, rate, and follow this program on whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any program here on Tlopin. Tonight, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th, that's today, through May 1st, that's Sunday. Now to Mariners baseball, and it was another frustrating game. Not for the same reasons game one and two of this four-game series are frustrating. It was, a, it was a different sort of loss for the Mariners, as I mentioned in the open. The bullpen, the usually reliable bullpen, blew it. There were some fun parts to this one, though. The Mariners chased Zach Greinke after he pitched only four innings. They touched him up for four runs in those four innings, got four hits off of Greinke, two walks. Those two walks came in back-to-back plate appearances with two out in the fourth. Jose Marmalejos drew the first one, then Taylor Trammell drew the next one. Trammell showed great patience during this plate appearance. Both the 2-1 pitch and the 3-1 pitch were just off the outside corner. Not easy pitches to watch go by. But Tram knew that there was only one strike on him, so he could take close pitches like that, and they were both far enough off of the plate to be called balls, and he reached base. Both runners scored on a Luis Torrens double. Trammell was involved in a play at the plate. The throw from cutoff man Carlos Correa beat Trammell by, you know, quite a bit, but the throw was also low and in the dirt, and Martin Maldonado couldn't handle it. Tram slid into home plate feet first. His lead foot got tangled with Maldonado's glove and throwing hand. Tram wound up wound up stepping on Maldonado's hands by accident. The ball rolled away. Maldonado was 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 hurt, so he couldn't go get the ball. And then Tram came back and touched home plate with his hand after he had originally missed it, being blocked off the plate by, uh, by Maldonado, and that scored the M's third run of the game. Maldonado wound up being okay, thank goodness, and stayed in the game. Torrens then was driven home on a J.P. Crawford double into the right field corner. Torrens ripped a hanging breaking ball into left field for his double, and Crawford pulled a fastball at the bottom of the zone for his double. Greinke was not at all the same pitcher that we saw dominate the Mariners in Seattle a week and a half ago. Luis Torrens had 
had gotten the Mariners on the board leading off the third inning with a solo home run. Grinky tried to get ahead of him with a fastball, and Torrens jumped on it and rode it out to left field. The pitch was not particularly well executed, and Torrens went after the first fastball that he saw from Grinky rather than try to hit one of those 67-mile-an-hour breaking balls that Grinky has. I'm all for patience and trying to work the count, but if you see a fastball early in the count against a, against a tough pitcher and you think you can handle it, go for it. Case in point, Luis Torrens. Kyle Lewis hit a home run in the fifth off reliever Brandon Belak for the Mariners' fifth and final run. Score at that point was 5-2, to two, and it was looking pretty good. Justin Dunn had a pretty good day, aside from the second and sixth innings. He opened up the second by walking Kyle Tucker, then allowed back-to-back two-out singles to Chaz McCormick and Miles Straw, which scored Tucker and McCormick respectively. Dunn threw 26 pitches in that second inning, and that gave the Astros a 2-0 lead, but the M's scored all five of their runs unanswered. Dunn began the sixth and did retire the first two men, but then allowed a double to Yuli Gurriel, and Scott Service removed him from the game in favor of Casey Sadler, who promptly gave up an RBI single to Carlos Correa. Keenan Middleton came in to pitch the seventh, and he was wild once again. He hit the first batter he faced, but then got the next two guys, even though he still was not sharp. His fastball was all over the place. He had trouble locating his breaking ball. Service saw the same thing I was looking at and replaced him with Rafael Montero after Middleton had faced the minimum of three batters. Montero got Michael Brantley to end the inning, but the next inning would be a nightmare. Montero went back out and started off fine with a ground out to first base. Then the wheels came off. Kyle Tucker and Yuli Gurriel both singled, then Carlos Correa grounded to Evan White. White threw to second to try to get the force on Gurriel, but his throw was off the mark. Correa came in to score, and the Astros found themselves down only one run at 5-4. to four. No outs were recorded on that play. Alemnis Diaz then pinch hit for McCormick, who has a something like a 1,300 OPS against the Mariners. He's, he, he kills the Mariners. And he got a center-cut fastball from Montero that he took into the left center field gap. It was not particularly well hit. It was off the label. And the, the Mariners were frankly lucky that Diaz missed it and didn't deposit it into the Crawford boxes. Gurriel scored on that play to tie the game. Then Montero walked Miles Straw to load the bases, prompting service to summon Will Vest from the pen to try to stop the bleeding. But Vest walked the first man he faced, Jason Castro, who was pinch hitting for Martin Maldonado, forcing in Houston's sixth run, giving them the lead. Jose Altuve was next, and he hit a sack fly out to right field to score Diaz and give the Astros a 7-5 lead. Michael Brantley grounded out to end the hellish inning on the first pitch to him, but my goodness, what a disastrous inning. This is not what we have come to expect from the bullpen. The offense had a great fourth inning. Granke was off his game, and the Mariners took advantage. Dunn did his job for the most part, aside from the second, but it was all wasted by a collective bad game from the bullpen. There's not much else to say. There's some more bad news to get to in the next segment regarding some injury updates, but I also have to say that Mitch Hanniger was a late scratch in last night's game. He was removed from the starting lineup about an hour prior to game time. 
Judging by Scott Service's post-game comments, it sounded to me as if he was a bit ill. It's not known whether he'll be playing tomorrow morning or not. Sam Haggerty, who was originally in the starting lineup as the number six hitter, was moved to the leadoff spot, but he had a rough day. He struck out three times, and he was seemingly the only pitcher against whom Grinky was on point. He did collect a base knock in the seventh against Belak, however, and it was pretty well smoked. He turned on an inside pitch and yanked it into right field. Speaking of right field... Uh, Hanniger was originally in the starting lineup in right field. Jose Marmalejos got the start in right field. I think that's his first major league game in right field. I really should have checked on that before I went on the air. <laughs> in any case, um, he batted sixth where Telegram Sam originally was in the starting lineup with Telegram Sam moving to the leadoff position. The M's offense did put it together in the fourth to score three runs. Two of them reached base on bases on balls. The only two walks that they would draw last night. They struck out ten times. Telegram Sam notched three of them as noted. Kyle Lewis and Taylor Truell both struck out twice. Tram was frozen by a 99 mile an hour fastball by Ryan Stanek in the ninth inning. He knew it right away and walked away frustrated. I'm wondering if he may have been looking for something off speed since that's usually how pitch just try to get him out. If that was the case, I cannot blame him because that has been the modus operandi for the most part um, against him. Stanek, by the way, looks like he should be playing guitar in a Leonard Skinner tribute band. Astros win 7-5, clinch the four-game series against the Mariners, which concludes tomorrow at 11.10 a.m. in Seattle and Spokane, 1.10 p.m. in Houston and Texarkana. Yusei Kikuchi will get the start for the Mariners. He's been hit or missed thus far. Starting for the Astros will be Luis Garcia, who will be making his third start of the season and fifth appearance. He appeared in five games last year as well, which were his first five big league games. And in his career, he has a 2.96 ERA in 27 and a third innings with a whip of 1.098. He's not given up a ton of hits thus far, but he's walked quite a few hitters. And this may play into the Mariners' hands quite well, as they will not swing at fastballs out of the zone. A few of them can be fooled into swinging at off-speed stuff, which drops out of the zone, but you generally need to be around the plate to get them to swing and miss. So I think this might be a good matchup for the Mariners. Time for the Trivia Corner, and today's question reads thusly. Zach Greinke has been around for a long time, since May of 2004. His first game against the Mariners took place that August 27th in Safeco Field. Was it a win for the Mariners, or was it a win for Greinke's team, the Royals? I'll tell you about this game following this word from the locker room. This episode is brought to you by The Locker Room, which I just mentioned. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a great place to start or join conversations about the league. I'm sure you'll find fans on Locker Room just like yourself for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find locked-on hosts on the Locker Room. Um, I will be joining when it's available for Android, as it is not available for Android as of yet, only iOS devices. And you can download the free Locker Room 
Home app currently now on all iOS devices, as it were. My goodness gracious. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter if you've got one, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and I'm looking forward to joining once it's available for Android, and I will be sure to let you know once the Locked on Mariners room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Answer to the trivia question, Zach Grinke's first game against the Mariners was August 27, 2004, and it was a 7-5 win for the Mariners. Neither starting pitcher figured in the decision. Grinke lasted six innings in that start, gave up four home runs, all of them solo home runs. In fact, the Mariners hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in the fifth inning. Miguel Olivo, Jose Lopez, and Iram Boca Chica doing the honors. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Iram Boca Chica. Who remembered that he was a Mariner? Those were the seven, eight, and nine hitters in the lineup that day, by the way. Olivo added another home run off Granke in the sixth. Then the Mariners connected for two more long balls in a three-run eighth inning off DJ Carrasco to take the lead in the ballgame. Brett Boone hit a two-run home run with Ramon Santiago aboard. Then Scott Spezio hit a solo blast in the succeeding at-bat. Carrasco was tagged with the loss, while Mariner reliever George Sherrill picked up the win. J.J. Putz earned a save in this one, which was started by Gil Mesh, who would later pitch for the Royals. Coming up, a segment in which I give injury updates. So I'm not going to make light of the topic, since that would just be me. And also, not funny. Now this from Rock Auto, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Whether it's for your daily driver or classic, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specs, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car, truck, van, SUV, or what I've got, crossover. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. Here once again is your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey. There are some updates on player health, and really none of them are good updates, unfortunately. Also, the Mariners have made some other roster moves on Wednesday. But I'll start with the news on Nick Margevichis, who underwent an MRI on Monday and was also placed on the 10-day injured list that day. He will undergo, undergo more tests in Seattle sometime in the near future, but his shoulder is still inflamed, so they're going to wait for that inflammation to subside prior to any further testing. There's no timetable for his return, obviously. The Mariners have not announced if LJ Newsom is going to be inserted into the rotation in Margot's stead. It was also reported that they're kind of fiddling with the idea of utilizing a five-man rotation for the next couple of weeks because they have a couple of off days, as I noted in yesterday's show. So they could do that and have pitchers 
pitch on their normal rest, at least for at least for the immediate future. It was also revealed yesterday that James Paxton had undergone Tommy John surgery sometime last week. We knew his season was finished, and this more or less makes it official. He was on a one-year contract, so he will be a free agent this offseason. He is going to attempt to pitch next year, and given his success in the past, he's going to draw interest from teams. I don't know if the Mariners are going to be one of those teams or not. I kind of th- It depends on how the rotation shakes out the rest of the way. Remember, Logan Gilbert was more than likely going to be at the big league level uh, sometime this, later on this season. So Paxton's services may not be needed by the M's in 2022, whether he would have been injured this year or not. Shedlong Jr., who has not played since last season, was moved from the 10-day injured list to the 60-day injured list. Obviously, that is not good news. I'm sure that I'm not sure. Pardon me. When he is eligible to return, but this did open up a spot on the 40-man roster which the M's filled yesterday. In fact, they added two players to the 40-man roster and designated pitcher Brandon Brennan for assignment. Brennan was originally acquired by the M's in the Rule 5 draft following the 2018 season and pitched 2019 and 20 with the Mariners. In 47 games over those two seasons, he accumulated a 4.45 earned run average and a whip of 1.280 in 54 and two-thirds innings. He walked a ton of hitters, 29 of them in those 54 and two-thirds, and also gave up eight home runs. Ratio-wise, not very good. He's off the 40-man roster now, and if he goes unclaimed by another team, the Mariners could option him to the minors to keep him in the organization or give him his outright release. He's not a kid anymore. He'll turn 30 in July. I do think somebody else will claim him, though. Just, Just a guess. Obviously, don't read anything into that. The Mariners claimed two players off waiver on Wednesday. Both of them are now on the 40-man roster. The first one is infielder Jack Mayfield, who was in the Angels organization. He has 49 games of big league experience under his belt with the Angels and Astros over the last three seasons. 47 of those games came with Houston in 2019 and 2020. He's played two games with the Angels this year. He's a versatile guy. He can play second, short, and third, and his offensive numbers and the high minors aren't bad. At the AAA level, 300 games, he's slashing 268, 325, 475. In 1,224 plate appearances, he's got 74 doubles and 50 home runs. 91 walks and 227 strikeouts. That's a few too many. At the double A level, 151 games, his slash line is 269, 323, 488. 30 home runs and 29 doubles in 618 plate appearances, 44 walks and 120 strikeouts. He's 30 years old, like uh, Brandon Brennan is, and his 31st birthday will be in September. So he's no kid either. He's been in the minors since 2013. He was originally signed as an amateur free agent on June 17, 2013 by the Astros. In his 115 big league plate appearances, he's slashing 165, 193, 275. Five doubles and two home runs. So he's a power bat, but he strikes out a ton. The other uh, player the M's claimed was a catcher out of the Brewers system, Jacob Nottingham. The Mariners catching depth 
really basically is nil outside Tom Murphy and Luis Torrens. And they're both off to bad starts, even though Torrens turned in a great game yesterday. They certainly could use another catcher with big league experience on the 40-man roster. Nottingham has played 38 games with the Brewers over the last three seasons. He's 26 years old and was described by Scott Service as, quote, a big physical guy, end quote. He's 6'2", 220, and he's also a power bat, hitting five home runs in his 85 plate appearances at the Major League level. In 133 games at the AAA level, he is slashing 250, 326, 421. He has 528 AAA plate appearances, in which he's hit 31 doubles and 15 home runs. 42 walks, but a whopping 154 strikeouts. That's a lot. And remember, that's triple A, not the bigs. In the minors, he's caught 33% of the attempted base thieves who tried to run against him. That's pretty good. And at the big league level, he's caught 21, but that's only 3 of 14. Very small sample size. Nottingham is headed to the alternate training site in Seattle. It's possible that he could join the big league club once the team gets back in town on Friday to face the Angels. I'm pretty sure Murphy is out of minor league options, so he would have to be waived if the Mariners wanted to send him down, but I'm unsure about Torrens, and I do not see the Mariners carrying three catchers on the big league roster, especially with them only carrying three bench players in total. Have you got a question or a comment? Send it to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. Questions and comments about any subject are welcome and encouraged. It need not be about baseball. It need not be about sports. Coming up, having gotten caught up on all the Mariners news, I wonder what the hell I'm going to talk about to fill the rest of the program. But now, this word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go, as the NFL Draft is on, and the, and the Kentucky Derby is back, as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. And lest you forget... The Women's World Curling Championships, which is not mentioned in this script, but I'm mentioning it because I'm obsessed with curling. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs in April. Yes. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50%. That's almost 51%. Bet online, your online sports book experts, promo code locked on. And also this following one, which I have to go into my golf voice for by uh, Blue Nile. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings that are sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal 
for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply as a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that it will surprise and delight, and fairly priced at that, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They will not be around for long, and my voice not, may not be around for much longer either, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. I'm going to get some tea. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you once again, J.M. Well, gang, as I said in the tease going into the last break, I'm kind of at a loss as to what to talk about in today's final segment. Usually when I need to fill a segment or an entire show, I'll text John Miller and then the two of us will get on the air and have a conversation that pertains to either the current Mariners or to something in baseball history. But it's very, very late at this time. And he's on vacation. <laughs> so even, it w- even if it was still you know early evening or late evening, I wouldn't bother him. He's on an anniversary trip with his wife, and there's no way I'm going to disturb that. So instead of John, I have invited my personal secretary, Clive Braithwaite IV, to, uh, on the show to chat. Clive, how art thou? I'm well. And it's great to be on a show where I'm doing more than reading listener emails. Yes, I'm sure it is. You've guest hosted before, though. Uh, but this is still something different for you. Clive, I want to talk about uh, how you became interested in baseball, because it's kind of an interesting story. I first got into baseball in 2001. I was going to university in England at the time, but I wanted to study abroad, so I spent a year in America. I discovered baseball at that time, and that was the season the Mariners rewrote the history books. I finished my studies in America, and moved back to England that August to finish my studies at home. But I missed baseball. So much so that I eventually decided to move to America, and decided Seattle would be a good place since that's where the Mariners were. I never lost my love for the M's, even though they were not at all the team they were when I fell in love with baseball. Uh, No, they are certainly not. Uh, You did not stay in Seattle that long, did you? I was there for a few years. Technically, I did not live in Seattle, I lived in Shoreline. Oh, that's right. But I was in Shoreline for three and a half years. I moved there in the summer of 2010, and moved away in 2014. I got the idea that it would be neat to live in all 50 states, so I decided that I'd move somewhere, stay for a year or so, then move on. There have been places I lived for only six months because I just didn't like them, and places I've stayed longer. And I've also stayed put for a while where I am now because of the virus. But I'm looking to move on once again. I'm not getting any younger and I've still got quite a few states left to check off the list. I might... I shouldn't ask this next question, but I'm going to. Where did you live that you didn't like so much? Places with humid climates. Namely Florida and Georgia. Even western Washington was a little too muggy for me in the summer, but not nearly as bad as the southeast. 
How many states have you been able to uh, check off your list thus far? Only nine so far. When I was in university, I studied abroad in California. Then several years later, I moved to Shoreline, Washington, and that's where we met, at the karaoke bar on 15th <laughs> Avenue. After I got the idea to try to at one point live in all 50 states, I decided to move to the complete opposite corner of the map, so I chose Florida, stayed for about six months, then stayed in Georgia for another six months. But as I said, I didn't like the climate, so I came back to the west coast and lived in Oregon for a while. Then it was on to Nevada, Utah, Colorado, and then my current home, Wyoming. How long have you uh, been in Wyoming? I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't recall. I've been in Wyoming since August of 2019. And for those curious, I live in Cody, which is in the northwest corner of the state. I'm looking to move again soon though, but don't know whether I'm going to go north to Montana or east to Nebraska. It definitely won't be Alaska or Hawaii, since I don't want to fly right now. I'm not getting any younger, and I've still got 41 states to go. So I'm more than likely going to only stay in any given place for a few months at a time just to say I've done it. That makes sense. We've got to get back to talking about baseball, though. Uh, when you lived in California during the 2001 season, what were your, some of your favorite memories pertaining to the 2001 Mariners? I have more general memories than specific ones, since I had other things on my mind. I very much enjoyed watching the Mariners and baseball at large, but I also needed to focus on my studies. And of course what 20-year-old English boy wouldn't be distracted by all the beautiful California girls I was surrounded by. <laughs> but to answer your question, the All-Star game was a lot of fun to watch, as was the home run derby. <laughs> did you get to go to either of those? No, I did not, but I love how you said home run derby. Uh, but I had a great time at All-Star Fan Fest. I went on two different days. Although in retrospect, I really wasted the second day I was there. I did nothing but the booth where you could pretend to announce a famous play in baseball history. That is literally all I did the second day I was there. Still have the videotapes from that. But I really regret not getting around to more of the activities that they had. I did wander around quite a bit the first day, though. But I still feel like the second day was completely wasted. And I really regret that. Oh well. But at least you had fun. Eh, true. Do you have anything else uh, to add, Clive, talking about the 2001 Mariners? I'm not sure what else I could say. Like I said, I have more general memories than specific ones. I loved watching Ichiro, Brett Boone, David Bell was fun to watch play third base, John Olarud was fun to watch at the other corner, Freddy Garcia was on top of his game. And then you had Arthur Rhodes and Jeff Nelson in that bullpen, setting up Kazuhiro Sasaki in that nasty forkball. It was just a fun team to watch. Oh, it sure was. Aaron Seeley was also great that season. He had that 12-6 curveball that I love to watch him throw. You mentioned Kazuhiro Sasaki. That forkball was a thing of beauty when he could get it to dive out of the strike zone and it would just disappear on hitters. It was just a fun team to watch, and they were clicking on all cylinders more often than not. 
Uh, but we have chewed up more than enough time, so we're going to call it a show. Clive, for th- uh, thanks for jumping on here at the last minute and helping me out. It was my pleasure. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, get all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That is all for today. Join us tomorrow as we wrap up this four-game set against the Astros. Joining me will be Larry Tate, Pokey, and a Taco. Please remember to download, rate, and follow Locked on Mariners. Look for us on any podcasting app that you can think of. Leave a rating and review if your podcasting app of choice so allows. Thank you for listening, gang. This is your first show. I do hope you enjoyed it. Well, I hope you enjoyed it no matter how many episodes that you've heard in the past. Either way, I hope you'll join us for the next one tomorrow to close out the week. Have a great day. This is Joey Martin for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.